What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Garrick from the Swift Coders Podcast. Before we begin this next episode, I want to do two things. First, I want to take a moment to thank you. And second, I want to tell you about the launch of my Patreon page. So first things first, thank you so much. I love all of you so, so sincerely from the bottom of my heart. I get messages from so many of you all the time telling me how the podcast is helping you along your Swift Coder journey. And I just want to let you know that those words help me along mine. Everything I do with this podcast and Swift Coders in general is to help you. And fortunately for me, by helping you, I am helped as well. So with that in mind, let me know what I can do to make Swift Coders more valuable for you. Keep reaching out to me, uh, keep letting me know your struggles, and let me know your triumphs as well. The last thing I want to mention before the episode begins is that I've launched my Patreon page. I've received a lot of positive feedback from you guys after I mentioned on the season two finale that I might create a Patreon page in the future. I'm happy to announce that I've done it. The link to my page is in the show notes, and I would be honored if you would become my patron. I have four different patron tiers, as Patreon likes to call it, each with different rewards. The first tier is called Sparrow. As a Sparrow, you'll get a sincere thank you and shout out on the next episode, as well as a follow on Twitter. Next is Raven. As a Raven, you'll know who I'm interviewing in advance and can submit your questions into the random question collector to potentially be put to the guest, plus all the previous rewards. Next is Condor. As a Condor, you can propose guests for future episodes, and I promise to interview most of them eventually, plus all the previous rewards. Last but not least is Falcon. As a Falcon, you'll be invited to my patron-only channel in the Swift Coders Slack team, where you'll have exclusive access to me and other patrons, plus all the previous rewards. I have a couple goals as well. My first goal is $30 per month. So $30 per month will cover all my podcasting costs, which include Cast for recording, Podbean for hosting, and Calendly for scheduling. My second goal is $60 per month. $60 per month will cover all my podcasting costs, as I just mentioned, as well as all my organizational costs, which include my subscription to meetup.com, uh, which I use for both meetups, and web hosting costs for um, uh, websites for swiftcoders.org and LearnSwiftLA. Lastly, for now, my biggest goal is $500 per month. $500 per month will cover all my uh, costs that I just mentioned, as well as all my personal time that I put into swiftcoders.org, including Learn Swift LA Meetup, Swift Coders LA Meetup, the Swift Coders Podcast, and the Swift Coders uh, Slack team. At the time of this recording, I'm already at $26 per month pledged thanks to my founding patrons and I've yet to even launch my page. So I've almost reached my goal of uh, first goal of $30. Pretty stoked on that. Uh, shout out to my founding patrons, Raghav Mangrola, Stephen Berard, Alistair Cooper, Jeffrey Fulton, and Warren Hansen. I'll link to all of them in the show notes and you can find all the details I just mentioned regarding my goals and the rewards on my Patreon page. So thank you so much again. I love you guys so much. And without further ado, hello. 
Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today we're back with part two of my conversation with Jesse Squires. Jesse is an iOS developer at Instagram, as well as the curator of Swift Weekly Brief. Okay, so Jesse, you do a bunch of stuff in the Swift community. Uh, you do, like, you know, most notably these days is Swift Weekly Brief. Mm-hmm. You just launched a podcast called Swift Unwrap, which I want to talk about. You sure. have all these open source projects uh, that are, you know, your personal projects. Um, you're like a big part of Swift open source. You, you know, you, you're doing a lot of things. Um, and I want to try to get into as many of those as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a time that Swift uh, was was uh, was only you know something that only a few people knew about. Mm-hmm. You know, June four, June fourteen, two thousand fourteen comes out. You know, Swift comes out. Like, what? Where are you? What are you doing? What's going through your mind? Yeah. So I was still at Rosetta Stone. Uh, uh, I was still working there uh, at the time. Uh, and I was actually at WWDC when that happened. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So that was my, you know, they switched to the lottery system for tickets uh, a few years back. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a ticket for that year. Um, and it was my first WWDC ever. Um, and I went with a couple of coworkers who also managed to get tickets and uh, when I can't remember who was announcing it, maybe it was uh, Craig Federighi, probably. Um, I think the first person to talk about it was Craig Federighi. Yeah, he introduced it. Yeah, and then Chris Latner came up and uh, demoed Swift Playgrounds. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, or, he, sorry, yeah. Uh, Playgrounds. Yeah. Um, so we were sitting uh, in the main room there for the keynote, and then. Um, uh, yeah, Craig, he made that, you know, the comment that everyone, um, kind of quotes. Everyone at home is wondering why is everybody so excited? That comment? Uh, no, no, no. He, he said, what would objective C be like without the C? Oh, right. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, my, uh, teammate Dave was next to me and we just looked at each other and we were like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're like, what? Because uh, they managed to like keep this, uh, like there were no rumors about a programming language. Like usually there are leaks about all kinds of things, but not this. Right. Uh, yeah. And then they made that announcement and everyone in the room was just kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some like, there was some skepticism and then uh, a lot of excitement. Um, so it was, it was cool to be there. Um, what did it mean to you, uh, personally, like to, to hear about it? Because for me, I was confused. I had no idea what it meant. Right. Uh, I had zero context. And so, you know, that day, days after just searching for commentary for context, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you live, you know, you're already a programmer. You're working at Rosetta Stone. You're working with Objective-C. What did it mean for you? Yeah, uh, well, there were uh, just a ton of open questions at the time. 
so like, like during the keynote, it was just like, okay, how are we going to integrate this? Like, um, is this like totally replacing Objective-C? Like what happens to all of this, these millions and billions of lines of uh, Objective-C code that exist in the world? Um, and it was really just mostly that, uh, those kinds of feelings, just like we didn't really know what it meant. Um, and like, as far as how it would impact us, um, and that, that became more clear, uh, throughout the day and throughout the week. Um, I remember we left there and we went back to our office and, uh, like we downloaded the Swift ebook and started looking at it and going through it and kind of playing around with things. And I remember being kind of, uh, um, disgruntled i was like oh this looks like javascript um ah. i was like i don't i don't like this um but then uh i quickly came around and uh started to uh appreciate it much more so um yeah okay, so my, my first see- impressions were were actually a little bit uh negative um and there were there were a lot of rough edges around Swift uh, for that initial release too, so it's come a long way. Um, yeah. So so I, I'm assuming over some time at Rosetta Stone, you guys, uh, you know, eventually incorporated it. So you're starting to work with Swift more and more, probably professionally and you know personally. Um, Swift becomes open source or is released. It was announced, I think, in June. It was released open source in like December of 2015. Uh, yeah, probably something like, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, like what happened? How is it that you sort of became one of the, I don't know, one of the people to look to for question to, to, for answers about Swift? Um, like for instance, I remember there was a panel, I think it was a Swift summit, 2015 panel, Mm -hmm. you, Ayaka, JP, I believe. Oh yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was at Realm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. like, what what happened? And I'm not sure if um, Swift was open source at that point, but like, what happens? Like, are you writing blog posts or like, why are you becoming this sort of person that people look to for answers? Yeah. Uh, so, like, and I, I think this is pre Swift Weekly Brief, right? So, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, part of this. So I, uh, are actually, uh, yeah. So at the open source announcement, there was like, um, so that was like the next year at WWDC. Uh, and then, uh, I think I, I wrote a little bit about that, um, and went to realm for that panel, uh, with JP and Ayaka. I think Natasha was there and, uh, I think Ben Sandofsky as well, maybe someone right. else. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, by that point, um, I was totally on board with Swift. Um, I had, uh, you know, become a believer in Swift. Um, <laughs> and I was really into it. I was writing about it. I was using it, uh, for personal projects. We started to do like maybe a little bit at Rosetta Stone, but nothing major at that point. Um, and 
uh, yeah, I started doing so the the Swift Weekly Brief. I actually started that on my personal blog. So I wrote a post like that after that first week of it being open source, and okay. um, uh, the community seemed to like really enjoy that post. And I was like, oh, I'll just do this each week. So I did four of them on my personal uh, blog. And after that, I was like, you know, I should just make this its own thing. So that's when uh, I spun up the, the dedicated site uh, for Swift, we- Swift Weekly Brief um, and uh, just kind of got all of that infrastructure in place to just start doing that weekly. Um, yeah. So since we're on that subject, like I'm really curious, what is like the workflow, let's say for, you know, for a new episode, a uh, new issue. Mm-hmm. So like, like when do you usually start? Do you usually start working on it? Like, it goes out on Friday, I think, or Monday? Uh, every Thursday. Every Thursday. Okay. So when do you start working on it? Like every you know Thursday you start working and then you release it the next Thursday or when do you start working on it? Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, so basically the workflow, so everything is on GitHub. It's a GitHub organization and the, the site is just a, a standard uh, like Jekyll static site. So um, each issue, like it's just a markdown file and then, uh, you know, Jekyll renders all the HTML and stuff. So it's very like straightforward um, and largely automated at this point. So uh, what I do is... Um, I will generate uh, like a draft. Um, so again, it's just like a markdown file and that's on GitHub. And then I'll have an issue uh, opened on the repo for that, um, uh, for that issue of the weekly brief. And so uh, throughout the week, I'll, I'll just collect links in that uh, GitHub issue. I'll just you know comment on that Git- GitHub issue with interesting things that pop up. And, uh, periodically, you know, from Thursday to Thursday, uh, basically, uh, take those links and, and, you know, write up the, the little snippet about each one. Um, same with like kind of monitoring the mailing lists periodically. And, um, uh, yeah, so, so that's kind of the, the flow, um, uh, a few people in the community actually help out They they will, also, like, and that's kind of the reason for having that GitHub issue there. So if someone um, uh, finds something interesting or if there's something that they think that should be in the weekly, then they can just comment uh, on that GitHub issue and say, oh, you know, here's this. Um, and uh, that's the reason I, I set it up that way is because I wanted people to be able to uh, contribute things that they wanted. So, um, anyone, uh, can contribute. You can also just send a pull request, um, and update the current draft. And then Thursday morning, I, I just publish that draft and then regenerate a draft for the next issue and, um, open a, a new GitHub issue for the, uh, the newsletter and, uh, go from there. Yeah. Does all that make uh, sense or... It, yeah. it does. And I'm yeah. looking because I'm looking at one of the issues right now. So yeah, yeah. issue um, for next week, 
mm-hmm. issue 61, March 16, 2017. Yeah. So for some reason, I, I don't know, I just assumed you use that curate thing. So you, to- you don't use that curate thing at all. Um, oh, this is from... totally open on GitHub. Yeah, from, from Dave? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't use uh, uh, oh. curated, uh, I think oh, is what it's curate. called. Okay, so yeah, I'm, yeah. Looking at, I'm looking at initial draft. It is a M- yeah, markdown file. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I'm looking at this issue on GitHub. So you create this issue, and then you said you leave comments like on the issue that include like essentially text or links to all the different things that are going to be a part of the issue. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. So it's a little confusing because there's like the newsletter issue, and then there's like the GitHub issue, right? So which is they're yeah. sort of it's they're kind of the same thing. They're different, but they're kind of the same thing. I, I actually like that. It's kind of cool, like that they happen to be the same word. Yeah, I guess yeah. what I'm wondering is like, so I'm looking at this template, starter tasks, news and community, commits and pull requests. So everywhere it says to do, to do. Are you manually entering that information each week or do you have it automated somehow that like the issues and or the all the commits and pull requests that are happening on Swift.org are automatically like getting inserted there every week? Because like I read that, that I read the the weekly and I'm like, man. It seems like a lot of work to like go through the basically the Git history every week and like pick out what's interesting and comment on it. So like that's what I'm actually you're, uh, curious really about is like how are you inserting the actual content? Yeah, so so that is all just done manually. Um, the okay. I have a, a little uh, bash script that will like generate a draft. Um, that just generates a, a basic markdown file, like what, what you're looking at there. And okay. then, um, yeah, I, I watch the repos. Like, I, I've just gotten really good at um, kind of scanning things and, um, uh, like, just kind of, uh, uh, you know, being able to kind of tease out, like, what is just, like, some kind of random, like, cleanup PR versus, like, something that's, actually substantial work um, and so just throughout yeah. the week you're sort of just collecting all of the different so you you basically read the github you know swift.org github every day and you're sort of just pulling out things that you think are interesting and you're you're copying those and pasting them onto the issue on github in the uh, comments section yeah yeah uh yeah so not not every day but uh periodically and so i watch those repos so i get like the notifications of the different activity happening and so um yeah i can just kind of pull things out there often people tweet things out so i kind of keep an eye on twitter as well and if someone um yeah people will tweet out mailing list links or uh, like pull request links or something that's interesting. And so if that happens, I'll just grab those. Um, and yeah, just kind of build it up throughout the week and then um, publish it on Thursday. So oh, That's really cool. Yeah, and I remember like I got down a rabbit hole one day. Like when you first uh, released the Swift Weekly Brief as its own thing, I was like, this website's really cool. He's using like GitHub and this Jekyll thing. I don't really know mm. what that is. Like, and it, it was like, I kind of want to do this. And I was like, oh, wait, this seems like a lot of stuff I have to do. Like, because I was very, very new to, to this stuff. And, mm-hmm. but the whole, I, one day I kind of want to get a hang on this like Jekyll and this Markdown thing. And then like you're using GitHub to host the website. Oh, mm-hmm. it's just really cool. Um, 
Okay, and I'm I'm yeah. looking right now at like issue number sixty. So I see there's like a bunch of links mm-hmm. posted by like you, Bass Thomas, mm-hmm. and like okay, okay, that's really cool, man. Really, yeah. really, really cool. Uh, Greg Keo has been jumping on there uh, occasionally as well. So, so if people wanted to help you mm-hmm. help help Swift Weekly Brief, like what are some of the ways that people can help and how can they do that? Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, if you have a GitHub account, um, uh, that's really all you need to get started. And then you can uh, go to the, the open issues on GitHub and you'll see the one for the, the upcoming issue. And uh, if you want, you can you can just comment there with, with anything that you'd like to be uh, considered to be included. Uh, or you can just send a pull request uh, for the current draft um, and just add the, the content directly uh, on your own. Uh, or if you're really interested uh, in doing more, uh, you can actually be a writer. Um, uh, and so like uh, Boz, who's, who you just mentioned, and then Brian Giesiak and J.P. Simmerd have all written issues before. Uh, they've and all I done. See, um, I see. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So they they've all done uh, a few issues um, themselves, and uh, basically, I, I reach out. They were all people who were interested in it, and um, I reached out to them um, at, at different times to to ask them if they would want to like take over and like do a full issue, uh, for a couple of times. Um, there are times when, um, I needed a break or I was like going on vacation or something. Um, and so they, they stepped in to kind of take my place. Uh, so super awesome, but, uh, anyone can do that. Um, uh, anyone who's interested and, you know, all of us are there to, uh, kind of help you with anything as well. Um, so it's not like you'd be totally on your own. I mean, you know, you'd be in charge of the issue for the most part, but, uh, we can help with, with different things along the way. So, okay. So just two things I kind of want to clarify. So one way to contribute, you said would be to leave comments on the issue for things that you think are relevant for the issue. What do you define the scope as, um, what is relevant to Swift weekly brief, um, issues? Uh, most of what I see is like usually, commits and pull requests but i recently saw like you mentioned nick lockwood recently uh released a new uh version of swift format Uh so like what's the scope uh i mean the scope is really anything about swift and anything that's relevant to the swift community so uh commits and pull requests obviously um blog posts that that are relevant um that the community could benefit from um, early on, uh, like the news and community section was not there for the majority of issues. Um, I added that later on, um, you know, it started to make more sense to have something like that. Um, uh, and and those blog posts should really be, you know, more about Swift itself, less about, um, iOS iOS or something. Yeah. Less about like Apple platform development and more about like just about Swift. Um, Yeah. What can you do with Swift? So like 
Swift on Raspberry Pi is like a new development. That's interesting. Right, right. Yeah, For something instance. like that would be awesome or like different developer developer tools that are uh, being built for Swift. Like Swift Format. Um, like Swift Format, exactly. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, so that is, that is one way to contribute, mm-hmm. put comments on the issue. The other way to contribute, you said, was to submit a pull request for an open issue. So what that means is I am, uh, I guess, cloning the repo. I'm getting this initial draft.md mm-hmm. file for the issue. And I'm, I guess, maybe copying what, what like the template from before. And like, let's say I wanted to start filling out news and community. Mm-hmm. I just literally start filling some interesting stuff out and I commit that and create a PR and you'll see that and you can, you know, we can comment on the PR, do code review essentially on the on the PR and you can accept or reject the PR. And so that's another way to contribute, you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. it's super. That's really awesome. Yeah. It's, it's super low barrier because like, again, it's just a markdown file. So it's like, it's just plain text. And um, you can actually, the really cool thing is you can do all of that from within like the GitHub uh, web interface. Um so if you oh, wanted right. to, you could just like fork it on GitHub and then edit the markdown file on GitHub and then submit a pull request um, without ever having to go to the command line or anything on your your machine. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, I I just have to say, uh, I think it's really awesome. Like, there's so many really cool things uh, about this weekly. Uh, the fact that it exists for the community is one. The way that you've done it, you know, using GitHub and using Markdown and using Jekyll to automate portions of it, mm-hmm. it's all out in the open. It's like very holistic, like open source. <laughs> it's that, like programming at its best. I don't know. It's just like so cool. Yeah, That. thanks. Uh, yeah, that, that was the goal, like to, to have it be uh, completely open and allow anyone else to... Uh, contribute to that um, and you know it, even go as far as completely write a full issue so okay so we are uh, we're already at an hour but there's definitely f- at least one more thing if not a couple more things I want to talk about so if you're cool to stay on for a little bit uh, longer I want to talk about sure. your new podcast Swift Unwrapped yeah yeah okay so I have to be honest somebody contacted me recently because I recently uh, I think around just before New Year's, I was like, it was my season two finale. And I told people like, look, like I want to step it up. If you want to participate with me, like I'm here to help you. Uh, you know, if you want to uh, start your own podcast, for instance, like I'll help you. And somebody emailed me and was like, I want to do a Swift podcast where we sort of summarize the Swift weekly brief uh you know, newsletter. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, yeah, duh, that's like such a great idea. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this person and I, we were like planning on, I was just going to help, you know, I was just going to launch it like through our platform platform. And we just never were able to, to link up because like, we're both very busy. And so Mm -hmm. then I hear about Swift Unwrapped and I'm like, yeah, duh, like perfect. Like why should, like if anyone's going to do this podcast, it has to be you. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And, and so it's so, so awesome. So do, to, to be clear, like Swift Unwrapped just announced, I think you put out one full episode. Mm-hmm. You and JP Sim, Sim, Simpard? Simpard? Uh, simmered, yeah. Simmered, simmered. You essentially 
it's like an extension of the Swift Weekly Brief. It's like the Swift Weekly Brief in audio form. Totally makes sense. I actually kind of prefer like that format. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, I don't know, how, like what's the why and like how are you guys actually doing it? How did it come about? Yeah. Uh, so actually, JP deserves all the credit here, actually. Uh, he approached me with the idea uh, to start the podcast and uh, the our thoughts were that there's really no uh, Swift only podcast. Um, I have to say I kind of take offense to that a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> well, uh, as far as like like Swift the language, like just uh, talking about Swift the language. Yeah, we, we do like half the person and half the language, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. I get it. But I'm a little offended. I'm a little offended. <laughs> yeah. So the, well, more about like the actual um, like development, like details about like what's happening and things like that. Um, so yeah, j- yeah. so just like with the the Swift Weekly Brief, like with the totally the news and community section, like we just mentioned, really being about the language, not Apple platform development. So, right. um, again, there's a ton of like Apple platform and uh, Apple news podcasts uh, for sure. And so we wanted to uh, just like really focus on the language itself and kind of be a commentary on the weekly. And um, yeah, JP approached me with the idea and uh, it sounded cool. And um so yeah, now we get together and uh you know, roughly once a week or so and just talk about Swift and what's happening. And we want to uh bridge this gap between like beginners and advanced users so that we can kind of accommodate both and everything in between. So some issues we will um be uh you know talking at, you know, a more high level, like overview of things. And then some issues we want to, uh, like really get deep into specific topics. Um, like we'll, we'll have an issue coming up soon or, uh, an episode coming up soon about, um, just about like bridging, for example, um, uh, bridging headers or something you mean like objective C to Swift? Yeah. Yeah. Like bridging objective C to Swift and, uh, how that works and, um, or you might do like yeah. a, a, a topic just on the string manifesto or generics manifesto. Like exactly. You might get very topic specific, um, but then you might just do like a, a broad overview of, of, you know, what happened that last week or something. Right, right. Yeah. So there's all those uh, manifestos that we need to cover, actually. Uh, and I think this is so good. I think this is like really great and I'm super excited. Yeah. I can't wait to hear, hear awesome. the other episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of our goal. And, um, yeah, this will, uh, the Swift Unwrapped will get its own feature in Swift Weekly now. Um, uh, every issue probably. Um, so it'll be there. Um, so everyone knows, uh, about the new episodes and stuff like that. So. So uh, two things. Uh, one just came up, uh, and you know, and then the other is you mentioned bridge the gap. So mm-hmm. you said sort of bridge the gap, but not bridging headers, but bridge the gap between like new newcomers. I think you said, or mm-hmm. beginners and more advanced mm-hmm. uh, power users. I think you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that is important in the context of open source Swift? Yeah, well, I think 
you know, if you look at, at Swift and the Swift community, I mean, that's what it's composed of, right? So uh, you have uh, Swift more than um, a lot of languages, like certainly more than Objective-C uh, has this, this appeal to newcomers and people who are just learning how to program. Um, I think it is way more approachable than Objective-C, um, way more approachable than a lot of other languages as well, even certainly C++. I think it's more approachable than Java and others. And so there's this really strong like beginner community in Swift for sure. Uh, but then on the other side, we have tons of very experienced uh, iOS and macOS developers um, that have been working in Objective-C for uh, years or even decades in some cases who are now using Swift and some of these people are actually contributing to the compiler uh, and the other uh, Swift projects uh, themselves. And so um, we wanted the podcast to be, uh, uh, you know, something for everyone in, in the community. Um, and so that's why we're going to try to, you know, some issues may be uh, too heavy for beginners or too light for advanced users. So we definitely want to, you know, we'll be switching it up um, and, uh, yeah, trying to have a variety of, of episodes that um, maybe not every single one will appeal to everyone, but uh, we want to definitely try to accommodate as many people as possible. So I feel like I, I try to strike this similar balance uh, with my podcast mm -hmm. and I have a similar sort of, I don't know, apprehension or something. But what I've discovered through the podcast and through uh, the, the beginner focus meetups that I do mm -hmm. is that even advanced people, uh, they don't know everything and they like relearning. They like being engaged with the topics they already know. Mm -hmm. And um, and they like to participate and help teach beginners. So I think that, you know, we can take comfort in that fact. Uh, nevertheless, we still, there is content like that a, an advanced person really wants and needs. And like we can, you know, give that, you know, give that to them. And then, you know, but then also let's create this like space for beginners to learn. Mm -hmm. um, but for instance, like one of my meetups, like a, it's a, you know, beginner meetup, but like an advanced person will come and they'll just teach, like, they'll just be like, yeah, I'm down to teach, like lead this session, you know? And like, so, uh, I think it's, it's great that you're aware of that. And yeah, again, I look, look forward to like hearing future episodes. I wish you guys the best of luck. I mean, cool. you already Thanks. built like cool. an amazing platform. So it's <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure everyone's going to want to listen and like, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just super cool. And I'm just, it's like, it's an obvious thing. I'm surprised no one did it in no one did it because like you needed you needed to do it. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. You're already doing like the weekly. So, okay, well, we're we're like well over, but there were a few other things. I don't know if you wanted to like talk about like Swift open source um, in general, we, like maybe IG List Kit or um, anything like that. Um, but if if you gotta you know if you want to wrap up, we can just wrap up. Yeah. Um, oh, we can go a few more minutes if you okay, want. Okay. Cool. So. Yeah. Yeah, so one thing I was interested to talk about is Swift open source mm -hmm. um, kind of in general and like 
contributing mm-hmm. to Swift open source. This kind of talks a little bit about beginners as well. So like, are you actually contributing to Swift open source in terms of like making commits and pull requests to the, to Swift, um, like the Swift repo? Uh, not really. Uh, in the during the initial launch, I I sent at least one pull request just for uh, Core Libs Foundation. Some like <laughs> very trivial things actually, um, but I just wanted to to do it um, to try it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so you've actually yeah. gone through the process of like trying it. So you've like cloned the repo, you built it, and like, so you know what that experience is like. Yeah, I mean, mostly just uh, not for the compiler itself, um, okay. but for uh, foundation. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So it, it's something that has been on my list for a while. It's just there's <laughs> a lot of other things that. Uh, well, yeah. I have of to, course. I mean. Know, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, but the reason I the reason I bring it up is uh, like in the weekly, you always mention like starter tasks mm-hmm. and like, you yeah, know, yeah. submit a pull request. And and I feel like it, it seems like it's such an easy thing, like, you know, do a starter task and then like or go check out Ayaka's mm-hmm. like topic on how she, her video on how she started or Russ's topic on how she started or right. like you have a really long video at I think Realm where you talk about like contributing to open source. Right, right. And like, but I feel like I've tried, mm-hmm. I tried two, two, like two, like sort of bursts of energy where I tried mm-hmm. a while ago. Um, I think I cloned the repo and then I was like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> and then yeah. a couple weeks ago I tried again and I actually reached out to Michael Il- Ilsman yeah, on yeah. Twitter and also uh, Codify. Yeah. Robert. Twitter. Yeah. Robert. Okay. And this time, like, I got even further. Like, after a really long time, yeah. I realized I had to download beta X code. Mm-hmm. And I finally got Swift to build after, like, a long time. <laughs> and the computer sounded like a jet engine. Right. And then he was like, he's like, okay, yeah, just go, like, find a starter bug. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's like, linking me to them. And I'm like, uh, okay, it's like C++ or something. Like, I don't know what to do. And so <laughs> right. I guess what I'm, I'm feeling yeah. is, like, we, you know, there's people out there who maybe want to contribute mm-hmm. um, or are they, they, they're just, they don't even know if they want to contribute. They just want to be a part of it. Right. Cause they see it's happening. Mm-hmm. And like, how do we, what can we do to make it even more easy? Or I don't know, like, cause it's just, yeah, I feel like it's not that easy. You know, it's not just like a starter bug. Like you, there is a base level, I think that you have to know how to do to, in order to contribute. That that is true. Um, yeah, I, I think those starter tasks can be misleading. I mean, you you do need to uh, have at least some familiarity with C plus uh, plus if you want to do work on the compiler itself. Uh, but there right. are like a lot of miscellaneous tasks that that can be done. Um, different cleanup tasks like you know documentation and things like that. Uh, Okay. You know, people joke about like fixing typos, you know, but like uh, it does help and um, it does get you familiar with like just the the process aspect right. of contributing, right. like submitting a pull request and just going through all those steps, especially if you've never done that before. Um, but I, I will say there there is like a tangible benefit to fixing typos as well, which is for you know, non-native English speakers who uh, 
you know, come to like read documentation on XYZ and if there are typos or like grammar errors or something, that's just going to make it even harder for non-native speakers to, uh, to get the information they need, you know? So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a good way to look at, you know, that one aspect there. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, the other projects like, um, uh, Corelibs Foundation, um, and the standard library itself, those are all in Swift. And so, um, you know, if you're starting out, if you're, if you don't know C++ or if you don't really want to learn C++, um, depends on if you like pain and suffering or not, um, that was a joke. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, C++ is a, uh, the, the learning C++ is maybe not the best thing if you are just learning Swift. Um, right. Like if you're just learning Swift because you want to make an iOS app, like you don't have to be distracted by like contributing to Swift open source, but who knows? Like sure. maybe that actually yeah. is something that you end up liking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, C++ is just filled with undefined behavior and gotchas around every corner. The syntax will make your eyes bleed a little bit if you stare at it for too long. Um, so if, if that's not your cup of tea, then, um, you know, contributing to the standard library, um, it's Swift with, like, it's a little bit different than just, like, plain Swift, but... Uh, basically it is just Swift. Um, and then the CoreLibs Foundation um, is just like foundation that you use um, for iOS or something, um, uh, or at least similar enough, and that's all in uh, just Swift. And so those are areas, I think, where people could... Uh, those are good places to start, at least, if you just want to get involved. So... I know that there has been, uh, there's already been a lot of like videos like contributing to Swift and, and, and getting started with contributing to Swift, but mm -hmm. I still feel like there could be like a definitive, like even on Swift.org, it's really not that user, like, you know, beginner user friendly. And, and maybe that's just the thing. Like maybe beginners aren't supposed to contribute to the, I don't know. I just, I feel like the community, like the open source, like Swift open source could benefit from like a beginner's guide to like, this is how you start getting into contributing to Swift. Like, and I feel like that's what yeah. Swift.org is. But when, you, when I go there, I still need to talk to Codify and have like, right. in, you know, a hundred Twitter messages back and forth and like sending these long gists of like, this was the error, like literally thousands of right. like right. tens of thousands of lines of code. And then he's like, oh yeah, you got to download like Xcode beta. Mm. Right. So, but maybe right. it's just still early on and that's not really the biggest priority, which I'm, I'm sure it is. Like, it's really not that big of a priority probably like, because there's already so much for, for beginners to do like, and beginners are coming to the language because they want to make iPhone apps. Right. right. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's, yeah. That's fine, I mean, know? I think they, we, we could definitely do better as a community getting like those, that kind of like documentation and initial setup stuff, um, in a better place. Um, and like a more approachable, uh, format. But, um, yeah, I think Ayaka's talk is, is great. Um, it's like, yeah, totally. you know, uh, 
she went in and there's like this very specific feature and also watching her talk uh, should make beginners just feel awesome because uh, many times she's just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to copy and paste it here because it looks like this other thing that does something similar. And Right, which I think is really good like uh, advice in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's nothing uh, wrong with that if you're learning. I mean, this is like, you know, you can either freeze up and not know what to do, or you can just start copying and pasting stuff and experimenting and trying to figure things out. And I mean, ultimately, someone's going to have to code review it anyway, you know, so it's not like you're going to destroy something. So, um, yeah, I I think uh, some of the, um, yeah, there there could be more materials on the site probably to, to make things easier. But at the same time, you know, C++ is definitely, you know, it, it, it's not trivial to learn. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, I think it just, it makes sense. It's not really like the biggest priority. And, uh, and I mean, right. look, it's only been open source for, we're going on the second year. So right. Like, right. it's, you know, in due time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, Jesse, there's a few more things before we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for giving us that extra time. Yeah. No uh, so, so before we end, I want to do quick rapid fire. I've been doing this lately, last couple of episodes. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So the first question is what drives you? Uh, what drives me, I think is primarily my own curiosity. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I like that curiosity. Cool. Okay. Desktop or laptop? Uh, laptop. Nice. Standing or sitting? Uh, both. <laughs> All right. Uh, get from the command line or get from the GUI? Uh, command line. All right. Vim or Emacs? Uh, really neither, but, um, I would probably go with Emacs. Ooh, (laughs) I should probably throw Nano in there. Last person I talked to was like, Nano. Correct. Okay. So what do you use then instead of Vim or Emacs? Just like general text editor or something? Yeah. I mean, it depends on like what I'm working on. Uh, I mostly use like Sublime for things. Um, I'll use Emacs if if I need to, but mostly just so like because, if you're, sorry, go ahead. Well, like if you're in the command line, are you, and then you open a file, you want to edit a file, are you opening it in sublime? Uh, sometimes I'll do that actually. Um, or okay. I'll, I'll just do Emacs and sometimes nano. It just kind of depends on how I feel and what I need to do. Yeah, um, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Tests or no tests? Tests. Definitely. Nice. Okay, uh, the next is looking at your Twitter, your Twitter like profile and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, your Twitter bio, uh, what is, can you explain what's going on with the Twitter bio? <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, like table flip emoticon and then uh, just some text about me. Yeah, yeah. What, what is, how do you do this stuff? Like I've seen that one, the shrugging of the shoulders. Right. How right. do you create these like? So, like, that's a parentheses, mm-hmm. but then, like, what's this other... Like, how do you make those characters? <laughs> right. These are uh, characters from, uh, like, different... I actually... I don't know exactly. Uh, there are different, like, Eastern Ang- 
Eastern Asian languages. Um, and so uh, there are sites. But it's you... kind of like popular. It's kind of popular among programmers, it seems like. And it's kind of like this club that I feel like I'm not a part of. Like, what is going on with these? What is it? Right, right. So, uh, the, so again, these characters, it's like um, they're either like uh, Korean or Japanese or Chinese or something. Um, uh, and... Uh, and then, like you said, some parentheses and other things that you're familiar with. So when and, you write it, do you yeah. just like copy and paste it or do you have it like saved as a text, like a shortcut or? Uh, usually I'll, I'll copy it. Like there's, uh, if you look up, um, I don't know, if you Google like table flipping emoticon or something like that or shrug. It's called um, an emoticon? Yeah, emoticon. or like shrug okay. emoji or something like that. Uh, you'll okay. eventually like get to uh, some site that just has like this this giant list, and you can just like copy and paste a bunch of these, uh, yeah, little okay, I'm little characters like table flipping and like doing other things. Um, a lot of flipping of tables and flipping of people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And then there's well, uh, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also a table uh, like turning the table back over um Aww. yeah like replacing the table one uh, okay but anyway well, yeah some of these of the, i have i'm happy to, to be a part of the club now <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah that's all it is there are no secrets so and then your name like in your name it's not just jesse squires it's jesse squires with like a fist mm -hmm. i didn't know you could do that is that like a power to the people kind of fist or something it is yeah so that's nice. um yeah, you can, I mean, that's just like regular uh, emoji. So you can actually, you can make your whole name emoji there if you wanted. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Your Twitter profile picture looks like you're maybe at like the Grand Canyon or something. <laughs> uh, actually uh, in Iceland. Ooh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, very serious. It looks like your album cover. <laughs> right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, that was a trip that we took a while back. Um, it's a beautiful place. I highly recommend visiting. Uh, okay, your Twitter like banner, it's like a donut mug, mm -hmm. mug that says donut. Right, right. Is that your mug? Uh, that is my mug, yeah. This is like uh, basically a picture of my desk, more or less. Um, although it's a bit outdated at this point, uh, but, uh, yeah, that donut mug, it's the, uh, XKCD, uh, donut mug. Uh, are, are you X? familiar with XKCD? It's a web comic. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you go to XKCD.com, uh, it's one of my favorite web comics. Uh, I would say most programmers that I know probably read it. Um, maybe not okay. regularly, but like, uh, I think it's like, a it's popular among programmers, I think. And, uh, there are often, you've probably seen XKCD comics before without knowing it. Um, cause there are okay. a few that are really popular. Um, cause they deal with table flipping yeah. XKCD Atlanta. You're just like giving me all the insights. On <laughs> yeah. There's the uh, a lot of XKCD comics that deal with, uh, programming. So. Uh, and this mug has something to do with it? Uh, this is uh, kind of. I mean, uh, the guy who writes it, his name is Randall Monroe. He 
used to be like an engineer at NASA or something like that. Um, and now wow. he just does this comic full time. And uh, so he writes a lot about like programming, but also like math and physics and um, just other things that are, uh, you know, like currently happening in the world. But um, uh, the donut mug thing, uh, if you're familiar with uh, topology, basically, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, not to get like too uh, like deep into this, but a donut or a uh, a donut so if you think of uh like a ring you know like a, a torus okay. um is topologically equivalent to a coffee mug shape um so there's a lot to unpack there but basically interesting if you if you imagine if you squash the the coffee mug uh -huh. down uh -huh. um you can uh, like if you melt that coffee mug, like the the handle, like that opening for the handle, that always has to stay there. Um, so you could like if you imagine uh, morphing that coffee mug into a donut, uh -huh. right? Like you could do that because it's solid everywhere except that ring in the middle, and so that ring is like this prominent feature in terms of the coffee mugs topology and so like if you were to collapse the handle of the coffee mug then you would no longer be operating in the same uh you you wouldn't have like the same object anymore at that point you'd have like a sphere or something so like like the defining feature of the mug and of a donut is that ring in the middle and so interesting yeah, if you um, there's uh, probably a Wikipedia article on this. If you, I'm gonna I'm gonna look the topology of a coffee mug. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, yeah, look up like donut coffee mug topology or something like that. Um, there's okay. definitely a wiki article on it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm learning all so, the things. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's where that that mug comes from. Okay, so uh, last but not least. Uh, where can people contact you online? Uh, yeah, Twitter is uh, probably best. So just Jesse awesome. underscore Squires. Cool. And one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Go. Yeah, I think uh, don't uh, don't give up because you get frustrated or um, if there's a hurdle that you can't get over, uh, don't give up. Keep Keep trying on that and ask for help when you need it and eventually things will click yeah keep going ask for help yeah that's great advice for sure all right jesse thank you so much for coming on the show today for sharing your story with us you know growing up in indiana louisville kentucky area yeah, you said, yeah. i think mm -hmm. and yeah. uh you know actually like programming you know in high school like you started a program which is really surprising to me and actually i think like i think yeah. a lot of people <laughs> might be surprised at that and i think that gives hope i think to a lot of people because it seems like you know you'd have to be programming at such a young age <laughs> to be like doing all the things you're doing and right um yeah, yeah and so and then uh you know going to college convincing your professor to do an ios course and taking it and then you know working at rosetta stone then uh, working, uh, you know, going over to Instagram and being a part of the Swift community, like basically since day one, um, you know, doing Swift Weekly Brief, 
now doing Swift Unwrapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, there's so many other things we didn't get to talk about, like all your open source contributions, like your personal projects and like IG List Kit. I haven't played around with it yet, but it uh, looks really cool. And then I saw your Swift Summit talk on pushing the limits of protocol-oriented programming, yeah, yeah. which is like really awesome. I have, I have a lot of fun doing what I think is something kind of similar mm-hmm. to like what you talked about. And cool, cool. Anyways, I just, I look forward to like just see, you know, you know, seeing like everything else that you do, you know, in the community and being a part of that, uh, potentially working together on, you know, whether it's contributing on, you know, to Swift Loop Brief or, or who knows what. For sure, um, yeah. Yeah, so just, just thank you for being you and for, for just contributing. Awesome, yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends. Thank you.